2: just
4: being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent, only in theaters, May 17th.
1: Hello and welcome to Saver production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese.
0: And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have an episode for you about Onigiri. Oh, so <laughs> many cravings. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> very intense and specific cravings i'm having right now. Yes. And this episode uh happened to be like perfect
1: timing for me. It was a suggestion from you. Did you have any like any
0: impetus behind
1: it or was it just like Oh,
0: <laughs> this is one that's been on our suggestion list for an untold amount of time.
1: Yes, untold. There's no way of knowing. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> eons ago. (laughs) (laughs) Since the beginning of time. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) Well, as it should be. Uh, Okay, so I have so much nori right now. Oh, yeah. An embarrassing amount because it was the only amount I could get. I needed it for some recipe I was doing that was very Uh delicious. But now I have a ton of it. Sure. And so I've been trying to find recipes on how to use it. And through that, I have found a lot of onigiri uh, recipes. And at first, I thought, you know I'm a little rice-phobic. I'm a little scared of cooking with rice.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, and I've just always assumed this would be too difficult for me. But reading through the research, I, I, I feel confident. And I'm, I'm going to give it a go. And in fact, I want to do a whole, like, I want to do some pan-fried versions, some non-pan-fried versions. I want to do a whole spread.
0: Yeah. 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 It is one mm-hmm. of the things that, like, you you might as well make a lot if you're making it.
1: Mm-hmm. Because, like,
0: once you get molding, just, just kind of keep going, you know? Well—
1: that's the plan, Lauren. That's the plan. Yeah. I hope it's not a
0: disaster. I'm hoping oh, no. <laughs> um,
1: and this episode did bring back many fond memories of our time in Hawaii.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. One of the one of the things like we we like landed and got to our hotel in Waikiki and realized that one piece of our luggage was still at the airport, and so we just had this like this like cool like. And, and also, like, our rooms weren't ready, so, like, we just had this, like, cool stretch of maybe an hour where we were sitting out on the patio of this of this hotel, and uh, we were right across the street from, I think it was a 7-Eleven, <laughs> and I ran across and just grabbed, like, a bunch of, like, masubi and ongiri and uh, drinks and just – and there was, like, a brief, beautiful rainstorm and mm-hmm. – it was like like the the act of sitting on this hotel patio eating convenience store snacks was so lovely.
1: <laughs> it was, yeah, it was like a really special moment where we're like, oh, we got to enjoy that time with each other, with yeah, these foods, and just yeah, it was really lovely
0: <laughs> it was,
1: uh, for this one, you can see our rice episode, which still like. I remember how much it broke my brain. But yeah, you can see uh-huh, that. Uh-huh. And also our donut episode,
0: <laughs> surprisingly. Uh, that's because of stuff we mentioned in our Pokemon episode. And we'll get into more later on. But but yes. <laughs> yes. Yes.
1: You seriously never know where the research is going to take you. Never. <laughs> okay. So I guess this brings us to our question. Sure. Onigiri. What is
0: it? Well, uh, onigiri are a, a, a category of handheld food items that can be a lot of things, uh, but at base are cooked rice and some kind of seasoning and or filling, packed firmish into a, into a ball or triangle or maybe kind of like a puck so that you can pick it up, Yeah, um, often partially wrapped in nori. Uh, which are which are dried uh, paper like sheets made of seaweed. Onigiri are almost always savory. They can be served warm or room temperature or cool. They can be a snack or part of a meal or like a whole meal unto themselves. Uh, they're like a they're like a hearty tea sandwich but with rice instead of bread.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They're like less fatty arancini. Okay. Yeah. they're. They're like a, they're like a dumpling made of grains of rice is saying to you, it's not safe to go alone. Bring me. Oh, <laughs>
1: yeah, always. It does feel <laughs> it does kind of have that vibe of like. I don't know, it kind of reminds me of my mom when she's like, you've got to. What if you don't have enough food? What if you don't yeah. want not have snacks? Take this, take this, take this.
0: Yeah. It's
1: so easily portable. And pretty filling. Yeah. Yeah. I get that vibe. (laughs) Uh,
0: um, The rice in question is usually like regular old steamed white rice, not not sticky glutinous rice usually, though you can use that. The rice is seasoned with anything from a little bit of salt to like a blend of more complex things like sesame seeds and dried fish flake um, and flakes of nori, Uh, maybe some other herbs or spices like shiso leaf or bits of dried veg. You can also mix in more substantial ingredients to the rice, like uh, like cooked red beans or um, different grains like barley. Or you could use like a pan fried rice with bits of cooked veg in it if you wanted to. Um, in some cases, generally when you have not mixed anything in with the rice, um, the rice will be pressed around a filling of some kind, usually a chopped filling, so it's kind of easy to to bite into. Um, Something like uh, cooked or preserved seafood or meat, sometimes dressed in a sauce, sometimes just plain, or pickled fruit or vegetables. Um, For example, umiboshi, which are uh, tart, salted, pickled plums. One of my favorite things, very strong in flavor. Real weird. If you've never experienced them, I I want you to, and I'm sorry. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I believe when we went to that big mall where I felt like on this Hawaii trip where I felt kind of like all of y'all's moms, where you're like, can, "Please, Annie, can we go to these toys?" <laughs> like, you immediately saw one on, one with Imabashi in it, and you were like, "We're getting it. You have That's to try." That's it. it. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> And it was delicious. I loved it. But it they're weird though, yes.
0: <laughs> I think they're great. It's I I don't think there's there's a lot of things in um in American cuisine that have the same combination of both very tart and very salty. So mm-hmm. it can be it it can be a little bit startling, but um yeah. oh, but in a way that I love anyway. Um mm-hmm. uh that's a, that's an option. Um also uh cooked vegetables like mushroom or sweet potato might be used as a filling, or just like a like a dollop of miso paste. Um any kind of filling goes really. So you uh, you take your, uh, your 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 rice and your filling, and you hand pack uh, this this thing into shape into whatever shape it is that you're going for, or you can use a mold if you want to. Um, and then, because even n- non-sticky rice is like a little sticky to the touch, you usually apply um, a, a partial wrapper, uh, sort of like a handle of nori. Uh, nori. Is definitely a whole other episode unto itself. Um, But very basically, this is a product wherein seaweed is uh, pulped and pressed into thin sheets, uh, like you would uh, do to to, to wood to make paper. Um, And then those sheets are roasted dry, yielding something that will like break and crumble on its own, um, but has a little bit of a chew to it when it's wettened. And it's got this this savory, vegetal, kind of toasty, roasty flavor. So, what you get when you apply this to onigiri, um, when, when you take a when you take a fresh sheet and apply it and serve it immediately, it's almost like a like a paper thin crunch wrap. mm mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, And yes, I'm using Taco Bell.
1: <laughs> yeah, as, <laughs> I love it. Got it. As a ground
0: <laughs> reference here, um, but uh-huh. hopefully, y'all understand what I'm talking about. Um, uh, <laughs> If you let if you let the ungiri sit a while um then the nori will moisten from the rice and attain this sort of uh, snap and chew almost like a like a sausage casing um some people really dislike that and want it to be super fresh I don't mind it either way um uh, but not that I I want you to have as many preferences as you want to have <laughs> We like yep. a strong preference here.
1: We do. We do indeed. Yeah.
0: <laughs> this is one case where I'm like I want to eat the food. <laughs> <laughs> like yes. I would like to, I would like to eat it. Mm-hmm. I don't care. <laughs> um, at any rate, uh, you can also instead of nori use other edible wrappings, um, different leafy green vegetables or herbs to preference. Uh, shiso leaf is is another one that shows up sometimes, um, or uh, a type of mustard greens, or maybe like a steamed cabbage kind of situation. Um, or instead of doing any of those things, um, or maybe in addition, uh, you can. Take your shaped onigiri, um, just the rice, and grill it or griddle it so that it gets this crisp golden crust, um, sort of like the pan crust on paella or bibimbap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so good. Mm-hmm. Whew. Um, those are called yaki onigiri um, because yaki is a word for for cooked, basically. Um, and you can make onigiri at home. Um, but they are also a very popular to-go convenience food and a common snack at bars and restaurants. If you make them at home, um, uh, you can get molds in the kind of like standard, like triangular or circular shapes, or in all kinds of, cutesy silly shapes for for lunchboxes like uh, like panda faces or whatever Um, bento culture bento being a word for this kind of like like fancified lunchbox situation um, is a whole thing also a whole other episode
1: yes oh I can't wait to do that but I did I did that's the rabbit hole for the episode (laughs) look up these shapes and I found like a soccer ball mold you can buy oh yeah I didn't
0: Okay. But I thought about it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know yeah. why you would need it. But <laughs> and all kinds of co-branded things. I mean, like yeah. if you need your ungiri to look like Hello Kitty's face, like mm-hmm. that's a thing. Anyway. Yes. Um mm-hmm. uh, the Ungiri sold in convenience stores. Um <laughs> these days are are packaged uh, really ingeniously with this double layer of cellophane type plastic. Um, and the outer one, you know, keeps like the whole thing sanitary, but there's this clever inner one that keeps the nori separate from the rice, uh, but pulls away easily, uh, so that when you unwrap it, uh, that's the first time that the nori touches the rice. So the nori stays crisp until you eat it.
1: Oh, that's fantastic. I read about that and I, I was like, I could envision it. Um, but that is Pretty cool. <laughs>
0: that the first time I, I, they definitely had that in the ones that we bought in Hawaii. Uh, nice. And goodness. <sighs> mm. mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I hate it when I'm like, I want to go to a 7 Eleven. Like, I uh-huh. know <laughs> what. <laughs> So silly. <laughs> oh, I don't think it's silly at all. Or uh, what I'm really missing right now is uh, there's a few izakayas around town, um, like Japanese like pubs around mm-hmm. town that um, I haven't been to in a long time uh, because of the pandemic. And I really, really, really miss them.
1: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Well, maybe if my, my yeah. experiments aren't a disaster, I'll bring some Ooh. to the next D&D session. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <Maybe>. All right. <laughs> okay, it will be fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, what about the nutrition?
0: Oh, it depends on how you make them. You know, um, it's it's a ball of rice at the end of the day. Like it's kind of carb heavy, uh, but it can have a good boost of protein to it, depending on what else you do there. Um, you know, and and they will fill you up. Um, can can keep you going? Uh, you know. Eat a vegetable, drink a water, definitely drink a water. A lot of these are kind of salt bombs.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, I remember we took them to a beach in Maui. We, like, got went to the store and we took them to the beach. And I remember eating just one and thinking, whoa, I'm so full. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I th- Those those might have been a uh, masubi um, and like spam masubi, which are a very mm. related uh, category. Omusubi can be a synonym um, for uh, onigiri, but generally the um, the Hawaiian concept of masubi is a little bit more, a little a, a little bit different and specific. But mm-hmm. at any rate, a large amount of rice. Mm-hmm. You're like, this is a snack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's. <laughs> And it's like a large
1: amount of packed rice, like yeah. dense.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Um, well, we don't have many numbers for you, but we do have a few.
0: Yeah, not not right here. There's a few. There's a few more in the history part, but but here at mm-hmm. the top, just a couple.
1: Yes, uh, according to Elizabeth Ondo, a scholar of Japanese culinary history and culture, 1.6 billion onigiri were sold in Japanese 7-Elevens in 2015. <laughs> Ooh. That's a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And it came out to be about 12 onigiri per person on average that year.
0: I read that by 2019, that number was up to 2.3 billion. Wow. Yeah. I'm,
1: my mind is trying to grapple with this truth. <laughs> Dang.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, um. oh, I can see why... <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, clearly
1: they're popular. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And there's a history onto how and why they have become so popular.
0: Absolutely. And we are going to get into that history right after we get back from a quick break for a word from our sponsors. This episode
1: is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth.
2: Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds.
3: Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of time outs, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed, straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber. Live like a guggenheim man. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com/hypergig for details. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I
2: want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles.
4: Experience the music and her story. No,
2: this. I ain't no spy, scale.
4: Like never before. As my daughter, as my Amy. On the big screen.
2: I want to be remembered for just being me.
4: Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th.
1: And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So this one's going to be a bit of fun with Japanese pronunciations. But Lauren's going to help me out
0: i'll I'll see what I can do i It's been a, a hot minute since I was in college taking yeah. <laughs> Japanese language classes but but yeah. we'll we'll see we'll see if we can not butcher anything
1: i I think we can do it okay i I felt pretty confident and then I just looked down at something I wrote. And I was like, oh no, oh um, dear, but we're gonna <laughs> I think we can do this I think we can do uh, this <laughs> okay and again, see our rice episode for more information on rice uh-huh. But for our purposes in this episode, historians think that rice was introduced to Japan around 6,000 BCE, and by about 3,000 BCE, rice cultivation had spread through much of the country. And in fact, there's a whole thing about, like, when red rice was popular, when grains of black rice was popular, and it's too much, but just know... (laughs) You yes. can Find the information should you desire.
0: Yeah, and we can. I, I feel like we're giving ourselves so much homework this this episode. I know, but right. I know. But right. We can. We can do so many different episodes about all these specific types of rice, and it would be fascinating and horrifying.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Hor- yep. Horrifying from a reading point of view. Just like there's a lot of intricacies here, and it's mm-hmm. really cool. Um, it is. But a lot.
1: Indeed. (laughs) Quite a lot. Quite a lot. Um, But for this episode, uh, while the word onagiri can be traced back to 15th century Japan, most experts looking into these portable rice balls believe that they go back much further, perhaps as far back as the 6th century, and perhaps even further. I'll get to that in a second. When a similar item went by a different name, tonjiki. On top of that, a 721 CE book made mention of nigiri e. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Which which meant folks in that area were making rice balls by then. And another book published around the same time seems to make mention of them too. Uh, The context seemingly that the rich would feed this item to their servants and farm workers, both as a convenience item for the workday, but also as a gift and... um, as with many episodes, this is an ongoing confusion. They were called by so many different names. Um, yeah. And it's sort of hard to trace uh, and know exactly what they were. But it, it seems like kind of the, this rice ball, perhaps with protein, uh, has been historically these things we're mentioning was there. Like the, it was, it was there.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not, not by the same name, but right. Right. Mm-hmm. The culture of making and eating these things goes way back.
1: Indeed. Uh, a 12th century wood carving seems to feature something resembling onigiri. And yeah. Also, as with all of our topics, there are a couple of theories and explanations surrounding onigiri. One popular uh, reasoning or story behind it believes that uh, they originated as a convenient way to feed traveling soldiers sometime between 794 and 1192. <laughs> the okay. The acting as a sort of preservative. Uh-huh. Others suggest that nobles would sometimes give peasants who lingered just outside of their gates rice balls. During a rebellion that happened in 1200 CE, up to 200,000 onigiri were distributed for soldiers. um, And rice balls have continually provided sustenance for Japanese soldiers during conflicts. That's been a thread throughout. Hmm. The name onigiri came out of 15th century Japanese banquets, not to describe something eaten by those attending, but instead of food that used up leftovers while feeding the servants after the banquet was over. So these early onigiri usually contained a bit of protein like seafood or small scraps of meat combined with whatever rice and or other grains that was left over from this banquet. Um, they were designed specifically so that they could be eaten by hand, no chopsticks required, and they may have also been wrapped in bamboo leaves and heated.
0: Hmm.
1: Onigiri were popular for workers during huge construction projects during the 1800s, uh, and they were not infrequently depicted in art, which I love. You know we mm-hmm. love some good food art around here. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. hmm this is also around the time people started wrapping their onigiri in nori, uh, as opposed to the bamboo. The as opposed to the bamboo leaves, uh, though historians, from what I read, aren't precisely sure why. And yes, I cannot wait to do a nori sea, sea oh, seaweed episode. Yeah. I'm so excited to look into it because my package contains kind of a sinister warning. So I'm like, Ooh. <laughs> oh, I cannot wait to learn more about <laughs> that. that. <laughs>
0: okay, all right. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Sometimes these rice balls were coated in something like miso and baked. And sometimes hot tea was poured over them from what I read, which I'm also really interested in. Mm -hmm. Uh, At this point, too, rice was fairly accessible to the average person, which was not always the case in Japan. Has not always been the case. Um, And further, this is around the time when rice balls started. And further, this is around the time when rice balls started becoming key in bento boxes. Yes. Also, want to learn more about that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Here's a snippet about Onagiri published around that time. In this life, the palm is dipped in salt water and held in the hand. Although there is no fixed shape in the three capitals, in Kyoto and Osaka, there are some that are made in the shape of a bale with a little black sesame seed sprinkled on the surface. In Edo, most of them are round or triangular, about one inch and five minutes in diameter, and five or six minutes thick. Sesame seeds are rarely used. Many of them are held in a bowl and roasted afterwards. There's a lot of legends about the shape, uh, which I love also.
0: Hmm.
1: Uh I don't know. I'm, it makes me happy when I learn about these kind of regional differences and why people do make it the way they make it, uh, where they do. Um, but the the shape has definitely been part of it, uh, which, yeah, I very much enjoy. Yeah. Onigiri were a part of some of the first school lunches for Japanese impoverished children in the late 19th century. Uh, But though they have this history of being an an item of humility, uh, something for the less well-off, by this time, pretty much everyone ate them, uh, for all sorts of occasions, from everyday lunches to celebrations. In 1974, the first 7-Eleven opened in Japan, and they offered onigiri, uh, and this was kind of ch- a changeup of the idea that you had to make them at home. Like now you could just buy them at a convenience store super easily. Yeah. And there was a fascinating article I read about 7 um, Eleven and technology around Onigiri to like make this happen, which is really cool. 7 Eleven might be a fun episode too. Oh no, I'm giving us so much. Stuff do.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, but absolutely. Mm-hmm.
1: And this is cool. Okay. So. A blackened, cone-shaped item was uncovered at an archaeological site in Japan in 1987. And this item is believed to be the oldest known rice ball, (laughs) believed to date back to the 1st century CE. Hmm. Similar items called zongzi-shaped carbonized rice balls have been found around the area, uh, some containing coins inside of them and... Experts looking into it think that they have these like finger-shaped indents suggesting that people ate them just like we eat them today with their oh, hands. Well.
0: Mhm. Huh. Yeah. It's a it's a pretty flawless design, I mean.
1: True, truth. But that like going back to what I said earlier when I made mention of like 6th century CE sort of when a lot of people said onigiri that's where it started. This to me suggests it's even older than that. It's even older. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But now let's talk about donuts. <laughs> 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 so we have mentioned this in a couple of episodes, but we got to mention it again because it cracks mm-hmm. me up every time. Mm-hmm. So in 1997-ish, uh, an episode of the Pokemon series aired in America, uh, and it called Onigiri Jelly Donuts. Yeah. Uh, because they didn't think American audiences would know what onigiri or rice balls were. So, like, this character was like, oh, these are so good. These jelly donuts. But it was onigiri.
0: It was clearly onigiri. <laughs>
1: yes. Yep. And it has become a popular meme. Uh, very, very popular. And you can find recipes for Brock's jelly donuts. Um, sort of jokingly, but also Brock's onigiri. <laughs> yes. <laughs> From this episode. Yes. <laughs> Oh, gosh, I love it. I, I was reading some of the memes yesterday when I was researching this. <laughs> it's
0: funny. <laughs> it is. It is. a. It, as I said in our Pokemon episode, like it is a very funny sequence in the American dub because it's just like they are holding these absolutely savory rice balls <laughs> Yep. That have a filling in them that is not jelly. Right. They are not donuts and the filling is not jelly. <laughs> and everyone says the phrase jelly donuts like 20 times. And it's just <laughs> increasingly surreal every single time it happens. It's high quality.
1: <laughs> yep. Recommend. Recommend mm-hmm. if you haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, After the March 2011 tsunami, earthquake, and nuclear disaster in Japan, Onigiri became an instrumental source of comfort and food for survivors because, yeah, again, they're easy to transport, easy to hand out.
0: Yeah. Mm In 2013, uh, Japanese developer Cyberstep released its MMORPG uh, by the name of Onigiri, which later spawned an anime series. I have no idea what it's about. No idea.
1: No idea. Listeners, write in. You're our only hope. We can't search. Yeah.
0: You You have to let us know. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Then I think in 2014, a nonprofit group out of Japan called Table for Two started up this yearly Onigiri Action campaign. And it runs in October-ish of every year and raises awareness and funds for the United Nations World Food Day and this campaign specifically encourages people to uh to uh make onigiri and post pictures of onigiri and they chose this food as a symbol for this campaign because it's like homey and comforting and sustaining they partner with uh sponsors to provide school lunches for every picture that gets posted um they sometimes call it the uh 1 million itadakimas campaign um itadakimas being like a phrase of like a phrase of gratitude that you say before you dig into a meal. In 2019, they received over 295,000 pictures of onigiri. Wow. (laughs) And (laughs) donated over 1,600,000 meals, uh, feeding 8,000 school kids for a whole year.
1: Wow. Yeah. it's impressive. Ah,
0: Love it. Uh, In 2019... Uh, 7-Eleven switched to a uh, bioplastic cellophane wrapper for their onigiri, reducing its plastic use by 260 tons a year.
1: Wow. Nice. Yeah. 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 Uh, In 2022, I, Watanabe and Samuel Truffaut... Archie Futz. <laughs> now the French is tripping them I don't no, know. No. I uh, their <laughs> restaurant is located in Paris, but I don't believe he's actually French. But anyway, whatever. They they publish their book called
0: Onigiri, and I think it has thirty six onigiri recipes. I believe that's correct. I was looking mm-hmm. into it. Yeah, yeah. It's a recipe book. It seems it seems quite dear. It really does. nice. It does.
1: <laughs> Maybe I should look into it for my grand experiment I'm about to Ooh, embark on.
0: Yeah.
1: Yes. Mm-mm. <laughs> oh gosh. And I also got a bunch of furikakes to try, like a bunch of different ones.
0: Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I think, uh, right. Because I think a listener sent mm-hmm. in a whole bunch of different things. And oh, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. <sighs> gosh. <laughs> sorry i just like i just like stopped talking because i was thinking about rice <laughs>
1: yep that's about where i am too that's about where i am too <laughs>
0: it's exciting
1: frightening it and is. exciting all at once <laughs> absolutely
0: absolutely. Yes.
1: Mm. well oh the cravings uh i think that's <laughs> what we have to say about on giddy for now
0: It is. Um, We do have some listener mail for you. uh, But first, we've got one more quick break for a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not
1: all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. visit Pronamel.com.
2: Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> <laughs> Give me museums! Apart. Give me a woo! Roller Coaster! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at San Diego.org, funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism and Marketing District Assessment Funds.
3: Today I'm gonna to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smoove and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed, straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a man. Available wherever you will get your podcasts. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at hypergig for details.
1: It's
4: just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th.
1: And we're back. Thank you, sponsor.
0: Yes, thank you. And we're back with Listener. Listener. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It is like that. It is,
1: right? It is. (laughs) Oh, gosh. I'm so excited to make it. I'm I'm scared, (laughs) but I'm excited. But, oh, okay. Okay, okay. (laughs) Bart wrote, I always squeal a little inside when a new episode of Savor appears in my podcast app. But that goes double when you cover one of my passion foods. Hmm. I'm an IT, and I joke that I'm a machine for turning caffeine into code. <laughs> <laughs> I have strong opinions on all forms of caffeine. European Coke is just better. But uh-huh. coffee is the king of my caffeine hill. An espresso is the pinnacle of coffee. My uh-huh. test for any new coffee place is a black espresso. If that's good, they have good coffee. If not, move on. Anyway, I'm a picky guy when it comes to my coffee, and the perfect cup for me is equal parts espresso and water, black. A pure espresso is a little too strong for my taste, and an Americano, much too weak. I struggled for ages to find a name for this perfect drink. Much Googling later, I found it. Café Zorro. How cool is that? Huh. Sadly, almost no barista has ever heard of it, though, so it doesn't actually solve my problem of easily ordering my perfect coffee. For now, I've settled on an extremely short Americano, like halfway up a flat white cup.
0: <laughs> that, yeah. I mean,
1: that does sound good to me. Um, you know we love these strong preferences.
0: Oh, Yeah. Yeah, I've never I've never tried. I've never tried to drink like that. I also I dislike Americanos. I feel like they get really bitter when you add that much water to them for some reason. Or like, I don't I don't know, like I are bitter in a bad way, which yeah. I never say. So, mm, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, but, but but maybe I should maybe I should try this. That sound, I mean, it sounds good
1: to me. Uh, I, Cafe Zorro is a great name. So I'm, yeah. like, I'm in on that. Uh, but also more memories of Hawaii. I remember when we talked to Doctor Coffee, uh, uh-huh. Sean uh-huh. Simon. He was like, he, I think he did the same thing. Like we got to try the espresso. <laughs> that oh <good>. right,
0: <laughs> then, yeah. If that's good, we could hang.
1: Yeah, and we all got the espresso. I think some, one person didn't get it, but everybody else we were like, we'll do what you say, sir. <laughs> 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 we'll follow your lead. Oh, and it was good. It was
0: delicious. No, oh, it was good. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, no, I I agree. Uh, uh, Espresso, just like black espresso, is my pinnacle of coffee as well. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Caitlin wrote, I never responded to you a year plus ago after you actually did the oatmeal episode. Oh, my goodness. I was so happy and shocked and all the good feelings. Thank you so much. You'll never believe the timing of the oatmeal episode. The weekend after that episode dropped, I was actually helping my younger sister, who's a total badass, move from South Carolina to, wait for it, Hershey, Pennsylvania. I got to spend the weekend with one of my favorite people listening to one of my favorite podcasts. It was great. My sister is a food science slash safety wizard and is part of the mammoth system that keeps our food safe to eat. I'm in awe of how amazing she is every day, and I'm so proud of her, so I wanted to take this opportunity to brag. In a complete non sequitur, I wanted to share that my husband and I also live in Atlanta, and I get super excited whenever we get a hometown shout-out. We're in the Decatur area. Oh, hi. Um, So Homegrown, Farm Burger, and Raging Burrito all have our hearts. Keep the local suggestions coming. I can't wait to try the Szechuan place you recommended several episodes ago, which brings me to another amazing lady I want to brag on. My sister-in-law, Emily Golub, I think that would be how you'd say it let me know. Um, Founded and operates the local meal kit delivery service Garnish and Gather right here in Atlanta. If you've ever got an itch to do a meal kit delivery service episode, Emily would be an amazing candidate for an interview. She works closely with local farmers and is well plugged into the Atlanta food scene. She does it all while looking flawless and raising three children. Seriously, she's a superwoman. I'll end with a bit of life news. My cornbread-less husband and I are expecting our first child. We decided we had had enough relaxing Saturday mornings during the pandemic, so we thought we'd ruin that forever. (laughs) It has been so, so interesting exploring what I, as a pregnant foodie, cannot eat and why. In talking with my mother and mother-in-law, they've commented how there's just so much more to think about now than there used to be. They didn't even have to think about sushi in the 80s. What was Kombucha. Soft cheese is or is not okay. No coffee or 200 milligrams. One glass of wine a day or don't even sniff it. Go back even further and you get even weirder suggestions like that wine is good for the baby. Raw meat is good for something. Uh, An episode on the history of what is suggested to eat during pregnancy by the prevalent medical knowledge of the day would be fascinating and probably mildly horrifying. I know it's slightly out of your wheelhouse, uh, per the saver motto, always check with your medical professional, but heck would it be interesting. Just be warned, when you dip your toe into anything pregnancy-related, that you're wading into a pool of judgment. Everyone has an opinion, so caveat the heck out of it. Gird your inbox and hide your women and children, literally.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I... That is a winning argument, Caitlin. Oh, <laughs> be goodness. terrified, but do it. No, no. That, that's
0: good, you're inbox.
1: It's true. <laughs> you are very correct. Uh that it would be fascinating. Yeah. Uh, because even me, uh someone who has never been pregnant, but I've had pregnant friends, I've just heard them be like, I've heard I can't use the microwave but then like all these things. I'm like, Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. This yeah.
0: Yeah. A lot. yeah. <laughs> Also, congratulations. Yes, yes, congratulations, though. <laughs> yeah, congratulations. Though. Uh, I'm sorry that you're wading through this pool of judgment right now. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, but that's very exciting. Oh, and thank you so much for for telling us about um, uh, your your sister's job sounds completely amazing. And thank you to her for her work. Uh, and thanks for shouting out your friend. I, I haven't tried Garnish and Gather, but I've got friends who have tried it and have really enjoyed it. So
1: I tried it after um, we did our beats episode, I think, because I really oh. wanted to try fresh beets and I couldn't find them. Ah, In my okay, local yeah, yeah. store. So I was like desperately searching. <laughs> <That was laughs> awesome. And it was delightful. Okay. I got a bunch of stuff. Cool. Um, but yeah, yeah, that was pretty great. And yeah, it's always we love shouting out local Atlanta things.
0: Oh yeah. Um
1: Meal Kit has been on our list for a long time. Hoofda. Uh, which if if you didn't uh, pick up on it, listeners, the oatmeal comment at the top is because Caitlin requested oatmeal a year before we actually got to it. <laughs> uh, so again, we do have a list. We will yeah. get to it. Uh, but it might be a year. <laughs> it,
0: or more. Or more.
1: <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. I mean, it's things like this. Like you said, the uh, like pregnancy foods. That That's going to be a big one. Some of them are just intimidating. Um, Absolutely. But I, I am fascinated and very curious
0: yeah, yeah, and and doing it like like I I try to like again like I like I really try to stray away from giving out medical yes. advice on this show because that's I'm not I'm, we're not
1: no, no no we are not
0: medical professionals Mm-mm. um and so it can be so tricky getting into you know like we've got a few episodes like that um in 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 our uh idea sphere like sports nutrition um, mm-hmm. specifically running nutrition runners mm-hmm. have a lot of very specific ideas about what to do and what not to do and most of it seems to be contradictory Mm -hmm. um uh, and and right things like that um but right but going at it from a historical angle is is always super fascinating because right just like going back in time and talking about what the medical establishment did and didn't know about (laughs) human biology Mm -hmm. especially where it relates to women oh yes Super fascinating.
1: <laughs> and also, it always makes me think of, like, the 100 years from now podcasters version of us. The, oh, years yeah. in the future, Annie and Lauren, they're going to be like, what did they think? What? Right. <laughs> That's not correct. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: Yeah,
0: probably. Yeah. Hmm.
1: Well, we will add it to our list. Yes. <laughs> yes. In the meantime, thanks so much to both of those listeners for writing to us. If you would like to write to us, you can. or email us hello at saverpod.com.
0: We are also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at saverpod, and we do hope to hear from you. Savor is production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way.
1: This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressings, seltzers and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk and once it's gone, it's gone.
0: Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended
1: brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit pronamel.com.
2: Ready? Okay. Okay.